and, and, and li- I, I promise you by the time you walk out of here, faith is going to be hitting the ceiling, and it's a tall ceiling, amen? The reason is, is because how many would agree with me that a lot of times we, we know we believe, we believe, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, we believe, and we, we just, I'm a believer, but a lot of times we don't really, really, really sometimes know what we believe, and uh, we, we sometimes couldn't win an argument with somebody about what we believe or, or defend our faith sometimes. So these Wednesday nights, we've kind of chosen to talk about some fundamental truths of what we believe. And this is really important because this is vital to what we, who we are. And last week we talked about the, the one true God. And we talked about the one true God being the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so tonight we're going to lead right into this, which is the deity of Jesus Christ. Some people don't know what in the world deity means. I'm going to make it real simple. It means God in human form. It means human, God became flesh. It means that, that uh, the, the word deity actually means God, period, being a God or being adored or being worshipped. But the thing that we need to understand tonight is what, what is deity is that Jesus Christ was not just a man. That's very important. And you might say, well, I believe that. But do you, do you know why you believe it? That might be a thing that's really important. And not just believe it, but know why you believe it. And I want to talk about something that is vital tonight. And uh, my, my notes are going to be all messed up. And I, don't, I know I'm not going to get through this tonight because I, I had some stuff done. And just this afternoon when I came in and started going over stuff again, the Lord led me a different direction. And that's what's, what I'm so excited about. I always get excited when I find something kind of new, not new to me, I've read it, but something that just, uh, something fresh after all these years of preaching. So I want to start in John 8. How many remember last week we talked a lot about the I am, that God is the I am God, amen? So I want to read in John 8 here, and we're going to start in verse uh, 48, and so just to make sure you're understanding, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ means he is God, and he came down to be man in man's form, being God. Does that make sense? And so while he was on this earth, he was in an earthly body. He was a human being just like us, meaning that he had emotions, that he had pain, that he had feelings, that he went through all the things that we went through. And as a human being, he was born in a womb just like us. That's the amazing thing. He didn't, he didn't pop out of the sky. He was born of a virgin, the Bible says, and that's why he was born of a virgin, so that he could come into this earth without any, any uh, man's seed, so he could break the curse. And so he came on this earth and lived in a human form, but while he was living in a human form of a body just like us, he was fully God. That's what the deity of Jesus Christ is. That is fundamental to our faith as believers. That we do not just believe that Jesus came down and died on the cross, but that while he was on this earth, he was not just God. He was man. But he was not just man, he was God. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Fully man, fully God. Fully man, fully God. I don't understand that. My brain can't comprehend that. That's why we're not God. How can a man be God and how can God be a man? Well, that's the awesome thing about the gospel. And what I want to start off here is going to break it down in a way I believe you've never seen. Or if you have, it's been a long time. And I want you to start off in John 8, verse 48. Give me an amen if you're there. The Jews answered. He's preaching. He says to him, do we say rightly that you are a Samaritan 
and have a demon. So we see Samaritan making him very human. They know where he's from. And they're saying that he has a demon because he's healing people. And then verse 49, Jesus says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father. How many remember that from last week? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory, and there is one, capital O, who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, watch this, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, now I just want to ask the question before I read this, how many want to never see death? How many would like to not see death? How many would just like to not, just to just avoid that altogether? The, the Bible says that we can, and we can definitely avoid what the Bible says is the second death, which is the eternal death, amen? Some of us might not avoid the first death, which is the physical body dying, but we can all avoid the second death, which is that when we would hear, depart from me, doer of iniquity, I don't know you. Amen. And so he says in these words, here's some powerful words, only deity can say this. Going back again, what is deity? Fully God, fully man. What makes Jesus who he is, is who he proclaimed to be. How many people, I'm, I'm going to have to stop here for a second. How many people do we have on this earth who proclaim things and claim things and, and they will call them self-proclaimed things, people. There's only one person in the history of the world who's been able to proclaim what Jesus proclaimed. Can you say amen? Now watch this. If anyone keeps, whose word? Whose word? Jesus. Fully God, fully man. If anyone keeps my word, he shall, what? Never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now, we know that you have a demon. Now we know you have a demon. And they said, Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. So Jesus said some things. One of the things that makes Jesus deity is he said some things that stirred up the demons. They were trying to say he had a demon, but what he was saying was causing the demons to manifest in them. And the real demons were saying, you have a demon, and we know that Jesus didn't have a demon, but he was upsetting them when he said, if you believe in me, you shall never taste death. Now that's some powerful words. You have a demon, Abraham's dead. Now look at this, verse 53. Are you greater than our father? This is very important. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Now I want to just throw something out there right before I move on and forget. Every person who's come along since beginning of time to claim to be a savior, a god, a deity, a messiah, or anything else is also dead. They're dead. Just like Abraham died, so did Muhammad. So did Hare Krishna. Oh, that was a good place to say amen. So did Joseph Smith. And I could go on and list a whole lot of names who have proclaimed to be somebody and they're all dead. And they're saying it. Abraham is dead. Okay? Why, why do we believe in Jesus Christ? We're going to see. So he says, who is dead and the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? They're mad now. 
Watch this. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Now, that's interesting. When do, you, when do people say, we believe in the same God? Right? We believe in the same God. All these religions will say, we believe in the same God. We all believe in that one same God. And Jesus is saying, you say you believe in the same God as I do. And then he says, my father, it is my Father who says, whom you say that he is your God, verse 55, yet, watch this, you have not known him. But I know him. And if I say I do know him, do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word, fully God, fully man. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Only a deity can say in 2000, 2,000 years ago at the birth of Christ that Abraham would live to see his day. What does that mean? That means that before Abraham was, Jesus was. Then the Jews said, watch this, I got ahead of myself, I couldn't help it, I was excited. You are not yet 50 years old. Now he was way less than 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Are you all with me? You're not 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, watch this, this will make your hair stand up. Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Mine stood up. Woo. Wow. If you don't get excited about that, you need to do something. I don't know what you need to do. You need to get saved. Amen. That should get you excited. Jesus is proclaiming that man that we both believe in, Abraham, that, that, that patriarch of the faith, before he ever came along, he didn't say I was. He said I am. I am. Isn't that powerful? Now, it's going to make more sense in a second here. I want you to go over to Hebrews. Let's look at the book of Hebrews real quick. Chapter 9. And I would encourage you, especially after tonight, to go read the book of Hebrews again. It's, it's so powerful, so amazing. Hebrews. Give me an amen when you get there. Put your seatbelts on. You're going to get excited about this. And as you're getting there, I, I want to make sure I don't miss out on this. We know there's a lot of beliefs in the world today. We know there's a lot of people who claim to believe in God. We know there's a lot of people who, who claim to be atheists too, but we're not even going to worry about them because the Bible calls them a fool. Amen? I didn't call them that. Uh, they're self-proclaimed fools. Come on, y'all. Help me out. You might have a friend who's an, I didn't call them that. The Bible says only a fool says in his heart there is no God. So I didn't say it, God did. And God can back up his word. So we're not even going to talk about the atheists, but we're going to talk about the people who say they believe in God tonight, which there's a bunch of them. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. We believe in the same God, the one true God. And I told you last week, what separates truth from religion is Jesus. Jesus separates like oil and water religion from just, hey, we believe in the same God. He says, he says before Abraham was, I am. Now, this is important to understand. The Jews who are our, our spiritual forefathers, today in 2017, they are still waiting for Jesus or for the Messiah. Sorry, not for Jesus. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come. 
They're still looking for him. They missed him, and they crucified him because of the words that he said there in John chapter 8. That's why they killed him. And so they're still waiting. The Muslims, Islam, for example, believes the Torah, believes that part of the Old Testament where Abraham was and where Moses was and the law and the prophets. They believe that just like the Jews do. So what does that mean? That means there's some common ground. That means, that, that means there could be a little bit of validity to we believe in the same God when they say that. But what begins to separate the truth from religion is what we're going to see here. Now, I was thinking about this. I want, you to, I want to break this down real quick before I read it. This is really important. Why, why Jesus Christ? Why is it important that I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? Because I have to understand that if I want to do what the Bible said there, which is never taste death, I said this last week, I've got to put my faith in the one not two, three, four, five, in the one who has defeated death. There is only one person in the history of mankind who has defeated death. Now, there are others who have not tasted death because of him, but there's only one who has self-proclaimed to say, there is a building that will be destroyed in three days, a temple, and that temple is me, and you're going to kill me and tear me down, but in three days I will rise again. He's the only one who's ever been able to make that statement and back it up. He rose from the dead. And so if he says, as Christ, as the Son of the living God, as Peter said he was, if he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, no one gets into heaven except through the Father, through me, then that's what it is. Why? Because he's the only one that has the power to say that. He's the only one who's defeated death. Now I keep saying this, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to put my faith in the one. Man, i got to hold up one hand at a time. Amen. In the one who has defeated death. If I want to go to heaven, if I don't want to go to hell, if I want to spend eternity with God, I'm not going to put my faith in just some God. I'm going to put my faith in the God, the one who defeated the grave so that I don't have to go to the grave, the one who rose from the dead so that I can rise from the dead, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the one who ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father so that if he ascended to heaven, I can ascend to heaven. Too. What did he say in John 14? I go to prepare a place for you that where I go, you may be also. So there, there's been a pathway made. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament, follow me here, don't lose me. If we go back to the Old Testament and we begin to look at what it was from God, this is a manual reading here. What it was that would keep us saved and would give us forgiveness. Everybody in here should know, but I know there's some new believers and might not know well. If you were to break it down, I like to break things down, elementary. What is it that, that makes me different from just somebody else? Why, why is, is my God right and real? What is it that God requires? And here's the, here's the, here's the equal ground. The Jews believe this. They practiced it in the law. They said that for someone to be forgiven, there must be the shedding of blood. Stay with me here. So, it, so for someone to be right, and why? Why is that? 
because we know that very, very in the beginning of time, when Cain killed Abel, the, and I'm kind of going into some different directions here, but this is important. When Cain killed Abel, the blood was shed, and the Bible says that Cain, uh, Abel's blood cries out to God from the ground. And from that moment on, it was necessary. I want you to pay attention to this. It was necessary and required that you, there must be shedding of blood for forgiveness of sins. Are you with me? Now I want you to go, I want you to hold your space there in your Bible with, a, with your marker, and I want you to go to Leviticus 17. Hold that there and go to Leviticus 17, please. How many are still here? I got to remember from Sunday that if I don't hear amens, that doesn't mean it's not good preaching. I got to remind myself that because I had several people tell me that was a great message and I thought it was a flop. Amen. So I got to remember that maybe sometimes you guys should focus, but this is an exciting message because I'm, I'm talking about why I believe in Jesus, why Jesus is the chief cornerstone, why Jesus is, as Revelation says, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Why is Jesus all these things? Because Jesus did something nobody else could do. Now, I want to just take this just for a second. I could spend several sermons on this, and I have preached this in the past about the blood. There's so much to preach on that. But I'm going to make this simple and short tonight because I want you to understand this. How many are understanding my question to myself, my question to you? What is it that God would require for me to be saved? How many are understanding that question? If I go back, if I want to get on equal ground with a, with a person from Islam or a person from Judaism or a person from another religion, we've got to go, hey, what is it that makes you saved? What is it that makes you saved? And some of the fundamental religions in the world do believe in the law. So there's a common ground there. So we go back to the law and we find out that it's important to understand the law to understand why, why we need Jesus. Okay. And if we go all the way back to the law, look at Leviticus. We know that this is the book of, 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 of the priesthood. And watch this. I'm going to read just one verse. Leviticus 17. And I'm going to try to move through this because otherwise I'll stay here too long. And I won't get to what I need to show you. I want you to read this. I want you to underline this. If, if I could tell you a key to your faith tonight, this is a key to your faith. I don't know about you, but I love keys. To, when, I'm, when I'm studying something, I, I want to get like the, the common denominator or something. I'm like, okay, let me get this right. How many are following me? Here's a, here's a key verse. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you, up, watch this, upon the altar, and I want you to underline this, to make atonement for your souls right here the light bulb is about to click on here in a second spiritually the it's if i could see your spirits you'd be like ding 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 the light bulb is about to come on the life of the flesh is in the blood I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls what is it that lives after we die our soul that's what's going to live forever. And what is it that makes atonement? What does atonement mean? What is it? Somebody take it's substitutionary, taking my place, somebody standing in my place, somebody paying my debt, somebody paying my price. He says, For it is the blood 
that makes atonement for the soul. So we see it twice there. All of our Jewish brothers and sisters in the world believe that. All of them. All of them. Y'all here? I know you're focusing. I know you think this is so important. Islam believes that. They believe in the prophets. They believe in the law. We could be in this room right now, and what I just said right there, we would be on common ground. So here's the thing. If that is so important and so real, when and where, here's my question, when and where did that stop? When and where in the Bible did God say, no longer is it necessary for blood to be shed for the remission of sins or for the atonement of your soul? Where does it say that? Nowhere. The Bible is telling us here that the way to not taste death is that shed blood must take place for me. For me. Now, again, I used to ask the question, you might be asking the question, why blood? That's a whole nother long sermon with lots of great stuff in it. But I just gave you the answer, the short answer. Cain killed Abel, and the blood was shed. That was the first blood ever shed. Murder. And God said, I can hear the cry, I can hear Abel's blood crawling out to me from the ground. And that was when he said from there on that there must be shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. Can I move on? Is everybody with me so far in that? So the Bible tells us to be a, have atonement for our souls, meaning if, if those Jews and those people from other religions were to stand before God, what would God require of me for my forgiveness? He would require shed blood. And in the Old Testament, they would have to go to the altar with that lamb, perfect lamb. They would have to shed that blood. They'd put it on the altar. And then you'll see later, I'm not going to read it there, but the priest, the, 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 the rabbi would have to come in. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would stand in their place, shed that blood, do the, do the sacrifice for all the sins of all the people. And that was what had to happen for them to be saved. Here's an interesting thing, and I was reading on this this afternoon, and I've never really studied this out before, this particular thing. I was reading some pages of Judaism and why they have stopped sacrificing because they no longer sacrifice animals. They do not shed, they do not shed blood anymore. Now, one part of it would be, here's the interesting thing, one part of it would be is that they don't have a temple to do it in. But see, that begins to lead up to why Jesus had to come and why Jesus did come and why Jesus became the one who said, you are going to destroy this temple and in three days it will be rebuilt. And they thought he was talking about the physical temple. And ever since that moment, they have not had a place. Why? Because God did not want them to have a place. Somebody grab this. God was not requiring for them to have some place. See, we have a place tonight that we come together to, to read the word and to fellowship and to praise and to pray and to love God. But our sins are not forgiven in this place because of blood that's shed in this place. It's not Our sins are not forgiven in this place because of certain rituals that are done. And that's what religion has done for thousands of years. They have done rituals and rituals and rituals over and over again trying to get to God 
trying to get up that ladder, trying to be good enough, trying to be right, trying to be holy enough. And God never intended that. He destroyed the temple because it was a God. And he said, I am that temple now, and I am going to be destroyed. And why? So the Bible says, I am the chief cornerstone. Are you with me? So here we see, and I'm only going to get into my first point tonight. I can see that. Here's where we see that blood must be shed for the atonement of souls. Can I move on from there? Everybody's got that? Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Had a whole list of reasons that Jesus is deity, but the Holy Spirit changed it today. Because we're going to focus on this right here. And I might throw a few out, but I, I want you to get this. What is it that makes me saved right now? What is it? So here's the thing. Here's the sad thing. Here's the interesting thing. If those people don't believe in Jesus, what they believe now in Judaism is that if they repent, I want you to pay attention to this, if they repent and pray, they'll be forgiven. If they come together on the Day of Atonement, and, they, and, and, and I, we, we, I, have a, I had a Jewish friend, and I know what they believe, they would have to write all their sins down for the whole year and bring it on that Day of Atonement. Can you imagine trying to remember your, whole, your sins from the whole year? Come on, someone, don't try to act super spiritual here. Oh, it only take me like four or five minutes. Right. I'm talking about every sin, Right. Can you imagine having to go, like, keep a log? Okay, I just sinned. Let me write that down so I can go back and, you know, pick it up at the end of the year and make sure I get them all there. You're putting your faith in your writing that you're going to get all those sins there and bring it in on the Day of Atonement. Here's the problem. Watch this. If they're coming, to, they're doing all that right, and they write all their sins down for the year, and they come in on the Day of Atonement, and they say, Lord, if, and, they, and they're at the wailing wall, and they're going like this, like they do, and they're praying, and they say, okay, Lord, forgive me for that, and forgive me. Listen, watch this closely. They're doing all that right, but here's the problem. They're still not going to be forgiven, because they're not forgiven because of their confession. Somebody get this, please. Oh, this is, you guys, this is better than you're listening to, I'm telling you. They're not forgiven because of their confession. See, First John says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us. And so the Jews, yeah, there we go. Problem is, he says, and, and what? Can somebody help me with that? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what cleanses us from all unrighteousness? My repentance or the blood? The blood the blood. Now, I've gotten ahead of myself a little bit because I'm so excited about this that I haven't got to read this yet, so let me read it. It's gonna, if the light bulb hasn't come on yet, it's going to come on right now. Hebrews 9. Let's start in verse. Can you read fast with me? I don't want to leave something out. This is important. Let's just read from one real quick, okay? They indeed, this is just a picture of the, of the earthly sanctuary, it says. They indeed, even the first covenant, had ordinances. Okay, that means stuff they did of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Um, and behind the second veil, does anybody know what happened to the veil when Jesus rose from the dead? It tore. It tore. Physically impossible, but it tore. 
and the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, he's, 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 he's talking about how they used to do things, which had the golden incense censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, tables of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat of all these things. Just like me, we cannot speak in detail. He's like, I'm just going to get this out real quick, that they had to do all this stuff. Watch this. Now, now, when these things had been prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. What services? The ones I just mentioned. All that stuff they had to do for sins. But into the second part, watch this, the high priest went with who? Alone. When? Once a year. But this is is interesting. What was it he had to have to go into that temple? Not without blood. Not without blood. Let me just stop here for a second. What have I been telling you for the last 20 or 30 minutes? The atonement for our souls and what makes Jesus deity is his shed blood. Yet the Jewish people and other religions are trying to be forgiven of their sins by just repentance. But repentance alone, listen, repentance alone. Maybe you're here and you're going, okay, this starts to make sense. That's why we sing about the blood. Oh, that's why they say the blood so much. Oh, maybe it's going to start to make sense. It's not just a Christianese word. He says, without the blood. Not without blood. Go on with me. Which he offered, watch this, for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. This was the high priest. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that, the, that way into the, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, read on, concerned only with food and drinks, various washings, fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Anybody ever heard that word? That's what that means. Reformation means that the new covenant came on the scene. Who's the author of the new covenant? Jesus. Watch this. Verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Watch this. Not made with hands. That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with what? His own blood. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place. And I want you to underline this, once for all. Once for all. Having obtained, we we preached about this just a couple weeks ago, eternal what? Redemption. Can you read just a few more verses with me? For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve The living God. Now here's why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because it says in verse 15, For this reason 
he does not say they, meaning other gods or other people. He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, meaning if Jesus does not die on that cross, we do not have salvation. For the redemption of the transgressions under the what? Who was the first covenant? Everybody who lived before Jesus. So they continue to do what they do. They continue to, to do now without blood, uh, repentance, and, and all these things. But it says it doesn't work because the redemptions of the transgressions under the first covenant come through the mediator, which is Jesus. Those who are called may receive the promise of the in eternal inheritance. Now watch this. For where there is a testament, there must also be the necessity of the death of the testator, meaning you can't get an inheritance unless the person given the inheritance dies. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator or the inheritor lives. You haven't shut me out, have you? Because this is the best part. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses, there's a guy that the Islam believes in, there's a guy that Judaism believes in, for when Moses spoken, had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, just out of the Old Testament, and sprinkled both the book itself and the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Now, when we do communion, that's what we're doing. Last two verses. Then, likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Now, watch this. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission this is new testament without shedding of blood let me tell you what remission means it means cancellation of a debt see we are born with the wages of sin a debt we are born in sin and the only way that we can have that sin removed from us in, 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 in understanding terms today, we have got blood on our hands that can only be removed by Jesus. We are condemned to death because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We're lost. We have no hope. You wonder why this world's so hopeless? Because they are. They're hopeless. Jesus is hope. Jesus is salvation. But we have to understand that this was, again, from last week, this was not a, a, a afterthought where God said, oh, let me at, 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 at 4,000 years into this, let me invent this Savior named Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. And, and one of the verses that I was going to mention and Paul uh, said it to me after is John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. 
In the beginning was the Word. And we saw there in Genesis that, that, that man was made in our likeness, meaning God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not an afterthought. Jesus is, before Abraham was, I am. Deity. Fully God, fully man. Why fully man? Because he had to take my place. Why fully God? Because if it was just a man, it'd be my blood or your blood. Does that make sense? Why fully God? Why fully man? Because we had to have him be fully God to, to be perfect blood. We had to, had to have it be fully man for it to be taking our place. He became, he became once for all, the Bible says there, the redemption of our transgression. Now I'm going to have to continue this next Wednesday because I, I just got into like the first sentence of my notes because there's so much there. Did anybody get anything tonight? Hopefully this excites you. That you, maybe, maybe you believed when you came in, but now you're like, well, okay, this makes more sense now. That's why we talk about that beautiful name, the name of Jesus that death could not hold has no rival because he is God who was fully man why was he fully man as we, as we bow our heads and close our eyes why was he fully man so he could understand so he could comprehend our pain see in the world of religion God is this distant figure so far away that he could never understand our pain He's this distant figure, so grander, so grand and, and amazing and powerful and big and wonderful that how could I, this little ant on this earth, ever, ever reach him? God said, the only way I'm going to make this right is I'm going to have to leave my heavenly throne and I'm going to have to go down there and become one of them. And you tell me a God who's ever done that. It's the greatest love story ever told. It's amazing. The gospel means good news. Good news. So tonight you've got a whole bunch of people in this world, sadly, who love God, believe in God, but don't understand that the Bible says, so do the demons, and tremble at his word. It's not enough just to believe in God. I must believe. I must believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be forgiven. If I want atonement for my soul, I must believe that. As you're listening as we close, as you're listening online tonight, as the Holy Spirit is touching your heart, one day I have news for you and me. We will all stand before God, every single one of us. And on our own, we're lost. We're, we're doomed. We're, we're, we're wicked. The Bible says, God said, your, your best day, your holiest day is filthy rags to me. You're not good enough. And he will say, basically, what do you have to say for yourself? And there is only one thing that will make atonement for your soul. 
It will not be how many verses you quoted. It will not be how many times you came to church. It will not be how many good things you did. It will not be how many times you prayed. It will be this and this only. Are you covered in the blood of Jesus Christ? Because from Leviticus all the way to the end of the Bible, it says the only way to be saved is the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Tonight, how many in this place would be honest with God, not with me? Say, I have not put my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have not accepted what he did for me on the cross. If I were to pass into eternity tonight, I am not saved. I maybe thought I was. I, 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 I know I believe, but I, did, I don't understand that, that I have to believe in the shed blood of Jesus. Maybe you've never said that prayer. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness through what? Through his blood. How many would say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I want that Jesus you're talking about. I want, I want to be, I want to accept the way, the truth, and the life. Just lift your hand and put it right back down all over this place. All over this place. As we stand tonight in this place, I want, to, I want you to do something with me. I want to say a prayer, all of us together. And we're going to do this for us here, for those here whose hearts need to do it. And we're going to do this for anybody who's listening online right now. That we would put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for our sins. This is, this is, this is the truth. This is the way to be saved tonight. You must express belief in your heart that Jesus is the mediator he's the only intercessor he's the only one who can stand in between me and God why? because of the blood period our life is in the blood Father tonight we ask you together Lord Jesus we come before you knowing that the wages of our sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus, I believe that you came down from heaven, born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit, so you could come into this life perfect, without a spot, without sin, to live a perfect life, to be a substitutionary death for me taking my place as the curse on the cross thank you for shedding your blood for my sins I believe you also rose from the dead conquered death and then ascended into heaven so that I can go to heaven as well please write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song. As we're in this attitude of worship and this attitude of, of praise and this attitude of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, we're going to open up the altars for anybody who would like to pray, anybody who would like to just spend some time with God. Maybe you just want to thank Him tonight for His blood. Maybe you've got some unconfessed sin. 
Maybe you just want to thank Him for this revelation of His Word tonight. Maybe you want to pray for somebody tonight. Whatever it is you're coming for, whatever you're doing, find a place to just spend some time with God tonight and let this message sink into you.